study this morning uh, for a little while about the work. Uh, we're very thankful for the work that you brothers and sisters do here in, in Wheeler. Uh, and it is our work that we do together, no matter what role you play in that. You know, there's many people here who support the work with funds, you know, money, food, or other resources. Uh, we appreciate that very much. It promotes the gospel. Uh, people see that. Uh, the teaching and studying, it's been, it's been a while since I've been able to uh, attend one of uh, the studies that you brethren have, and I do miss that uh, because iron sharpens iron, but I do listen to your, to your podcast uh, quite a bit. Uh, finally got caught up listening to Kenneth uh, yesterday, or day before yesterday. Also, the care that you provide for one another, the care that you provide, that you pro pro provided for my family when I was on the road holding gospel meetings or doing work abroad, the way you looked in on my wife and family while I was gone, and I'm sure that Sean and Marlon could speak to that too, how you've been faithful and looked after their families in their absence. We appreciate that very much. And, and above all this, we appreciate your prayers. They are very valuable, and we need them involved in the work. <clears throat> now, as you know, the work consists of preaching the word, studying the word in private studies, praying, visiting members of the church, Visiting members that are in the, or visiting people that are in the world, trying to share the gospel with them, uh, admonishing, rebuking, edifying, and then there are a certain amount of personal work that goes on, and this may, uh, this may cover a, uh, a wide range of, of things. But uh, you guys and, and uh, gals are involved in this work on many different levels, and we appreciate that. <clears throat> you know, you can kind of boil down our mission uh, into two different things. Promoting the gospel, going to a lost and dying world there in Matthew 28 and 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's mission one that we have as a church. And the second part of that is discipleship there in uh, verse 20 teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world and this oftentimes is an area that that uh, we've fallen short in but I think we, we we're addressing that to hold on to those people that obey the gospel hold on to them and help them uh, in their road to try to reach heaven the fact of the matter is, is all people need Christ. Everybody need, needs Christ. But few want him. Few want him in the world. <clears throat> so, you know, when we're sharing the gospel with our friends and our co-workers and our family members and, and various people that we run into, you know, sometimes it's like, why, is not, why isn't the word working? And it kind of brings to mind, the first thing that comes to mind to me is 
early on in my training uh, to, to, to do evangelism, uh, we were coming back from a, a meeting in New Mexico, and I was asked, well, what did you think about that, the meeting in general? And, and I kind of just gave it right off the top of my head. Well, it kind of seemed like it was kind of a waste of time. And I was quickly rebuked for that. Because sometimes we don't see immediately what the Word does. But the Word convicts and saves, first and foremost. There in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It saves, first and foremost. It convicts a person that they have sin in their life and, and shows them the need for Christ and coming in contact with His blood, obeying the gospel. It convicts and it saves. It also convicts and judges. It judges, it convicts, and it sentences. There in John 12 and 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him, the world that I have spoken. The, uh, the, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. You see, the word works. We may not always see it immediately. The word works on all, Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto him of whom, with whom we have to do. It works on everybody. The word always works. Isaiah 55 and 11, So shall my word be that it goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereunto I sent it. The word always works. <clears throat> now, when we're sharing the gospel, you have basically, you have four basic responses that people have to that message. That Jesus Christ came to this earth from heaven was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, suffered, suffered and, and was tempted and overcame without, with, without fail, without sin, and suffered on that tree, shedding his precious blood, dying, and then rising again. Now, some people will believe and obey. They will humble themselves before the Lord and and. You know, you see these people when they hear the gospel and you get through with the study and they're like, can I be baptized? It's kind of like those folks in Acts after Peter gave the first gospel sermon. They said, brother, what must we do? They were convicted and they wanted to take action on their belief. <clears throat> the second form that we run into a lot in the world today is outright rejection. Outright rejection and denial of that. And that is based on pride. And then uh, the, 
the third thing that we run into a lot is I'm unforgivable. You don't know how bad I've been. God cannot forgive me for what I've done. And you try to point out to these people, so your sins are worse than the Apostle Paul's, who in prison and had a, a, a direct hand in the murder and imprisonment of Christians. Okay. Our sins are worse than his? The fact of the matter is, is that statement right there and that response to the gospel is rooted in pride. It says that my sin is greater than God's power to forgive. <clears throat> and the fourth... And, and what I've experienced, the most common response to those who actually entertain the fact that there's a God and there's the fact that there's His Son, Jesus Christ. They will admit the knowledge of this, that they believe that, but they refuse to act on it. I will obey in my own way, in my own time. And... and Really what that says to me is uh, I want to make God my servant. I'm going to do it my way to come in contact with the blood and be saved. So those, those are basically the four responses that we run into most of the time. I want to talk about entitlement. <clears throat> the definition is the belief that that one is inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment just because who they are. That they're entitled of that without doing anything. And the direct opposite of this is gratitude and contentment. You know, you don't see many people that are entitled that are thankful or content because that's opposed. It's two opposite things. Now, how many of you kids can relate to that? I'm just thinking when I see that picture that that girl was looking forward when she opened that Christmas present that she was going to get something like, uh, oh, what's her name, Anna? Or I can't remember the other one. And uh, the little Disney movie. Uh, but instead... She got a pair of socks. They were nice socks, but clearly she felt like she was entitled to something better. You know, I, I, I remember being in this same position myself. I remember Brother Sean having a gun of his own. And he's, you know, he's a year and a half, two years younger than me, believe it or not. And he had guns, uh, you know, uh, and come along, 12 years old, I got a BB gun. And uh, we lived in town, and I wanted a real gun, you know, like Sean had. Well, they asked, you know, Mom and Dad asked, what do you want for Christmas? I want a real gun. I want a lever-action Winchester 22. You know, that's what I want. And I remember laying up plans in my head that if I didn't get that, what I was going to do, okay? And and our, our parents spoiled us. 
I didn't get a Winchester lever action. I got a Remington pump action, but I was pretty happy. And we've run into this type of entitlement with our own kids. I remember a few years back when we didn't, we were living from week to week, basically, paying bills. We saved money behind, uh, put it back uh, for the kids' Christmas, okay? And we went and bought some computers. They were still in high school. And I remember thinking, man, they're really going to be excited when they open this. And kids opened it, and I looked at one of them. I won't call them by name. And the face that they had was very similar to that. I just went out and spent five or $600 on this computer, and that was the response I got. Okay? Entitlement. We deserve something just because who we are. Well, these reactions here, the outright rejection, I'm unforgivable, I will obey in my own way, in my own time, is based on an entitlement mindset. And it's rife in America today. It's rife in the world. People believe that they're entitled to heaven. Doing it their own way. Doing it on their own time as long as they're just good enough in man's eye. It's, it's, it's entitlement, you see. And it falls right in line with the idea of eliminating Christ. And I know that sounds harsh. Because if you talk to people about uh, their response to the gospel, I will obey in my own time, in my own way. These type of things, at the root of that is eliminating Christ. It's eliminating. Now, if you ask them a direct question, is that what you're trying to do, they'll deny it. But in fact, that is what it is, a desire to eliminate Christ. <clears throat> so I want to take a look for a short time without Christ. What is that? What does that look like? Because I think a lot of times we fail to realize what Christ, what he's responsible for. There in John chapter 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All the things that we enjoy here on earth, the wonders that we see in nature around us, none of that is possible without Christ. Without Christ, it doesn't exist. Okay? So, let's just say that Christ went ahead and, and did this, took part in this, but then he stopped and just left it. Left it to mankind. Let him have the will. Well, there would be no man. There in Genesis chapter 1 and 26, And God said, let, let us make man in our own image after likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God 
created he him. Male and female created he them. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay? Without Christ, there is no man. Without Christ, there is not a special part of creation that only he breathed the life into. We're the only part of creation that, that was gifted with that, that he took that type of care and attention to. And then the woman there in Genesis chapter 2 and 18, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help me. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she has taken out of the man. There is no man and woman without God. And I want you to consider what the world has done in their desire to eliminate God and eliminate Christ to the genders. Think about that. There are certain places that our kids, uh, you know, may visit where it doesn't matter what God has created you as. Uh, male or female, you can go to the same uh, restroom facility. And we can just pick out example after example of how the world and the laws that are being put in, into place eliminate what God desires to eliminate, what God has created, man and woman. Let's talk about the family. Can you imagine a life without your significant other? I can't. Sean, can you imagine life without Daphne? Marriage is an institution that would not exist without Christ. Genesis 2 and 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And there in Hebrews chapter 13 and 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Marriage is a gift from God. And it would not be here without Christ. Now I want you to consider... What the, what the world and our society has done to marriage. Deemed it unnecessary. An old, old thing that's not right for the world today. The world desires to eliminate marriage. Have you seen how the divorce rates have gone through the roof? Yeah. The world desires to eliminate Christ. What about our children? Can you imagine a world without the blessing of our children? There in Psalms 127 and 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. 
As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of, of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Without Christ, there are no children. There are none. You ever consider what the world and our, typically our society here in America has tried to do to our children? It's tried to take away their childhood through, uh, through this most recently. And if you think that don't affect the church, I got to tell you, we held a meeting last year and spoke on this. How our young ladies, many of them find the, their source of self-worth right here on social media by how many loves and likes they have on their posts or their pictures. And by uh, putting our kids in contact with things that are filthy and addictive and sinful. I'm going to tell you something. After that study, when it was all said and done, we had 13 kids come forward. That affects the church, not only the world. Desiring to eliminate our children, to destroy their childhoods. That is a world without Christ. What about our grandchildren? Man, whew, you talk to my wife about this. I bet you can talk to Daphne about it too. Can you imagine a world without our little grandchildren? What a blessing. My heart melts every time uh, my, my granddaughter Oakley says, Pop, Pop, I love you too. Man, <laughs> boy, it just floors you. Proverbs 17 and 6, children's children are the crown of, an old man, of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. I'm telling you, what a great blessing. Without Christ, it ain't happening. And just like our children, the world seeks to destroy our grandchildren. And the threat that they're under, man, we need to stay on top of it, folks. Earthly blessings, our homes, our food, our clothing, our jobs, unnumbered riches. We are very rich people here. Ask Sean about Nigeria. We are extremely blessed. Without Christ, ain't none of that happening. And I know probably what's going through some of your minds. There are people in the world that enjoy a bunch of this stuff. We're sitting here talking about wives, husbands, families, children, grandchildren, all these blessings from the Lord, and you say, well, the world has that if they want it. Well, that's true. They do. For a little while. Matthew 5 and 43, 
Ye have heard that it hath been said that thou shalt love the neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. I'm going to tell you, there's plenty of godly people. There's millions, billions of people that want to eliminate Christ or they don't know him, okay, that still enjoy the blessings that all people are, are eligible to enjoy here on this earth. He blesses everybody to a certain degree, even the evilest man or woman on the earth that exists in a dungeon somewhere for the things they've done. They still enjoy some of the blessings from the Lord. They still breathe. They still live. They may have some hope. That is true. What about the spiritual gifts? They're only available to those who have come in contact with the blood of Christ. The Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, perfectly furnished, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What if we didn't have the Bible? What if we did not have this guidebook on how to live our lives, how to raise our children, how to react to the world around us? What if we didn't have that? You talk about being lost. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Now this is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Not part of it, all truth. Every bit of it. For he shall not speak of himself, but so what, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That is how we have the scripture. Without Christ, without his perfect life, without his perfect sacrifice on the tree, we don't have it. We don't have the scripture. And you say, well, the Old Testament was here uh, before Christ did all that. No. We wouldn't have the Old Testament either without Christ. And that's, that's another study we can do if you would desire to do that. <clears throat> prayer. Can you imagine a world without prayer? In our deepest, darkest hours, when we need that help, and we've got all these brothers and sisters praying for us and, try, and, and interceding on our behalf in prayer, can you imagine a world without that? There in Hebrews 4 and 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted 
like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Can you imagine not being able to ask forgiveness of your, of your sins? Because, you know, after we're baptized, we still fall occasionally. We fail. We need that. What if we didn't have that high priest in heaven interceding for us? Well, that's, that's a life without Christ. And you think about all these things that the world attacks, the Bible. There's some places you can't even take, take this. Okay? And the assault on the Bible to, to remove parts of it, physically remove scriptures. There are Bibles printed today that, that don't include much of the Holy Word. The world's assault on the Bible. The world's assault on prayer. Now, now we don't see that as much here in, in Texas and Oklahoma because even though it's, uh, I don't know if it's against the law, Kenneth, but I know it's frowned on, like saying prayer in school activities and stuff within the school. But fortunately, we have administrators and teachers in many of our schools that still will pray and defy that, okay? But it's being attacked. A world without the spiritual gifts. What about a world without the church? I'm not talking about this building, even though it's a blessing. And I'm not talking about 10.30 and 2.30 when we meet to have an assembly. I'm talking about the church. You brothers and sisters, the attack upon the church. Can you imagine not having our brothers and sisters? Ephesians 2 and 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Without Christ, there is no church. There is no head. Without Christ, you know what you have? You have a bunch of people playing at religion. Whether it's for profit, whether it's to make themselves feel good about themselves, or whatever. To belong to a club without Christ, that's what you have. There in verse 20, and you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Without Christ, there is no church. The blood. There's a lot of people in the religious world that don't like talking about the blood. They don't like mentioning the blood of Christ because it's, you know, it's not real popular. Romans 5 and 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
the blood. There are very, very few religious organizations that preach coming in contact with the blood of Christ. That's what we're founded upon. That's where our hope resides in the blood of Christ. When we come forward and we acknowledge the fact, we confess that Christ is the Son of God in front of good Christian folks. And we realize that the way that we've been living was wrong, that we have sin in our life, and we repent and we turn from that. And then we come to the water. It's just water. This ain't holy water. Garland and David didn't come up here and bless this water this morning. Just water. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord and we are buried in this water, washed in the blood, God cuts away that sin. He performs that operation. And we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we come in contact with that blood. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, there is no blood without Jesus Christ. Thus, there is no hope. What about heaven? Y'all think much about heaven? I think sometimes we tend not to think about our end goal because we have stuff so good here in America. Heaven. There in Revelations 21 and 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. He will wipe away all tears. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now I want you to imagine a place where your loved ones don't suffer from illness. A place where you're not tempted. A place where death does not exist. A place where there are no tears. There's no sadness. That's heaven. Without Christ, there is no heaven. You know, there was a song, I believe it was back in the 70s. It was on the top of the charts for quite a while. Set some records. And it was an anthem about a world without Christ. A world without God. A world without heaven. A world with no hope of heaven. And I'm telling you, it was a raging hit. Wow, they play it all the time today. That's what the world desires. A world without a hope of heaven. A world without Christ. A place without Christ. It's hard for us to imagine because we've been 
uh, blessed in so many different ways by Christ, and a lot of times we don't even recognize it. We, we still occasionally hold on to that childish attitude of entitlement that we deserve something just because of who we are. A place without Christ, there's no true love. There is no joy. There's no peace. There's no faith. There's no hope. I left one out. There's no purpose. There's no family. There's no comfort. And there is no forgiveness. There is no answer for the debt we have, you know, to pay. Because there's no Christ. I'd like to ask you a question this morning. Are you without Christ? Are you one of those individuals, and we've all been there, so don't feel like the Lone Ranger here, like somebody's pointing a finger at you. Are you without Christ? <clears throat> what has this done to you? What has the story of Christ done to you? Have you said, I don't believe it? Have you said, I will, uh, I will obey it in my own time, in my own way? Are you without Christ? The story, your story, has not been written in stone. There stands an opportunity right now. There are plenty of Christians here that will help you. They will help you humble yourself. And then God will do all the work right here. And he will give you a purpose and a hope in heaven. Because you will be covered in the blood of Christ. Allowed to approach the throne. Boldly. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.